le futur du monde, la technologie, for my French speak, oui, oui. the period tracker oui. to tell you if you're pregnant or not. And... Well, 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 they don't just do that. Oh, why did you say that? If digital health is the future, that's what we're going to use, making it accessible and equitable for everyone. And there should be informed consent because it's not like a, you can just do whatever you want with someone's data and you right. can just assume that they'll be okay with it. Hello, Globies. Welcome to the World Health Investigation Podcast. My name is Loza. I'm Jocelyn. And I'm Edna. We are three young global health professionals and your hosts for the World Health Investigation Podcast. Also known as WHI, we'll be discussing all things global health and unpacking the most controversial health and social issues, as well as promoting new wave global health development and equity. So, ladies, What's the tea in global health today? Mm, today's tea, mm-hmm. speaking of tea, it's more about tech. Ooh. Technology. Technology. Tech. Le futur du monde, la technologie, for my French speaking. Oui, oui, baguette. Okay. okay. <laughs> <laughs> so we're talking oh, about digital about health. Like the big question is, is digital healthcare the future? Ooh. That's a big question, you know. Let's unpack. It's digital healthcare, the future. So we've seen different examples of digital healthcare. I'm pretty sure if you don't know, there are so many ways that I'm sure one of you or mm-hmm. all of us have used digital healthcare. Like let's say the NHS app, track and trade. <clears throat> yes. Pardon. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Do sorry, you sorry. have something to say? Oh, it's energy, negative energy. Uh, ma'am. Okay. No, both of you turn nothing, nothing. It's just NHS running trace. I just want to know, like, if you have something to say, because that's my case study, like NHS track and trace. Uh-huh. We're going to talk about how, you know, during the pandemic, NHS track and trace, yeah. right, mm. used during the pandemic to track COVID 19 cases and inform people to self isolate. It did. It did do that. Do Some that. Different you're, different not right very, you're not sounding very convincing to me right now. Just just, say, like, just say it. <laughs> just remember people turning theirs off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They don't get tracked and traced. <laughs> exactly. I just remember it yeah. not even being a requirement. And therefore, it's like, what was the point? Yeah. <laughs> You'd go to a restaurant, they'll say, Do you want to be tracked? No, okay. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, sure, it was used. That is true, mm-hmm. I guess. Carry on. Yeah, so, <laughs> my point is, it was still used. People just chose not to use it, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, obviously, like we've seen different cases. We've seen different um um apps that have been used, like in M Health, particularly like mobile health. We've mm-hmm. seen like the sleeping app, the, the sleep reminder for you to go to bed. Mm-hmm. We've even seen um screen time could be considered something like digital, yeah. health, mm-hmm. digital health. We've seen um period trackers. Period tra- the period trackers. That's the period tracker to tell you if you're pregnant or not. And well, 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 they don't just do that. Oh, why did you say that? What the hell? I have to be blunt. Did you see that me. man that tweeted saying like women that have a period tracker? Um, he was slut shaming them basically. Ah. So the only reason you would have it is just to make sure you don't get pregnant. And I was like, oh, what? Once what? again, our life revolves around men. Is it not just oh, for my own health? Anyways, yeah, that was a tweet. 
it is to track your why am I even justified exactly <laughs> but for those of you who don't know the period tracker helps you track your time of the month to check even like any symptoms there are Mm -hmm. things like polycystic ovarian syndrome like if you're having some heavy mental menstrual bleeding or headaches or whatever all symptoms missing months you know you have Mm -hmm. to track why that is exactly what it needs to be on a cycle and we need to make sure yeah how long your cycle is Mm -hmm hmm so like we, we've seen a period tracker we've also seen um uh there's also like the medical information thing for like emergency information you can put mm, it in, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. your in case something happens to you so mm. we've seen you good uses of digital health so please don't do not come for my digital health people okay i was just saying i was just saying <laughs> yeah yeah anyways um so, <laughs> the problem now is that worldwide models of health and care are struggling to meet the challenge of the aging population we've seen in the law of like mm. developed countries there's an aging population right and digital health and care interventions are recognized as key to the solution in tackling this crisis using modern um, technologies and digital services and not only do they change the way we communicate but they also they also offer like more innovative ways for monitoring our health and well-being as well as providing greater access to personal data and self-management mm-hmm. and then it also empowers like a patient it empowers us to track manage and improve our health and care environment leading to greater independence and improved health outcomes so by innovating uh we can reduce inefficiencies in health and service delivery, improve access, reduce costs, increase quality of care, make health services more and more person-centered, and also like personalized medicine for patients' unique needs. So there are so many benefits of um, digital health care. So even the WHA, the WHO had there was a World Health Assembly where they recommended countries and stakeholders to have that urge to make direct efforts towards creating consistent e-health vision in mm-hmm. line with the country's um health priorities and resources. Mm-hmm. Because we've seen, we've seen, especially during the pandemic, we've seen a lot of like maximum capacity we've seen like even yeah. with the nhs with yeah the national healthcare service we've seen that uh that there's an overburden on the healthcare system even in the us and the uk in so many healthcare systems there was an overburden so digital health in this case any form of technology would help so yeah. what, what are your thoughts like what are your initial what's your initial take on this do you think that the world should go more digital yes mm-hmm. um i mean i think the way you said it um, it offers, I think you're yeah, putting health into also like the patient's hands is empowering and it also builds trust with medical practitioners. So I think in that way, it's really useful. But um, when considering like expanding it, especially for the aging population, the first thing that came to my mind is, you know, we talk about equitable health is making it accessible. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you can have these great ideas and the apps can be available, but they need to actually reach the population you wanted to. And mm-hmm. what I was reading earlier on was um, a lot of places where the aging population live, um, not even just because people assume developing countries are the problem, but even in places like the U.S., um, simple things like the internet, Wi-Fi are not available. No. So mm-hmm. people don't even have access to 
the internet in order to be um, to benefit from digital health. So when considering this, I think it's also important to build infrastructures to support it. Yes. Um, and consider um, these groups and acknowledge that they also need access to these services. So, but I think it can be the future. I mean, I think it has a lot of potential. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. 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 100% agree with Loza there. I think that's a really good point about like actually having access and like ensuring people have the infrastructure. Because if you don't have it, then what was the point? Right. Um, and yeah, I think, you know, there's various, there's various solutions people have in terms of. I've seen things like, oh, you know, instead of relying on like internet and stuff like that, they somehow take advantage of radio waves mm-hmm. in order to transmit information and that kind of stuff. So there's solutions that, you know, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's innovation and that's why I think I, I think as well, yeah, definitely we can we can use more of like digital health and all these technologies. Um yeah yeah excellent well, yes yes <laughs> yes, yes. agreements <laughs> i we agree we all agree for once <laughs> i'm joking about that but um yeah the, we, with digital health the beautiful thing about it is that not only does it put um the responsibility into the patient's hands right mm-hmm. so i like to think of health with the three r's i've seen this on a ted talk before even in previous in some like paper the three r's responsibility relationships and requirements so the responsibility is like what can i as a patient do to make my healthcare better what can mm-hmm. i do am i taking my medication on time am i taking am i um basically am i being compliant with what i'm supposed to do mm-hmm. and there's like relationships like who is holding me accountable i know this guy called i think his name is marcus i forgot his last name but i'll put the name in the description mm-hmm. but he cut this app around care assistants and he will talk about how the app eventually like it helps patients have those three hours like have for example um a place where they can track like um whether they're being compliant and they can share it with their family having that relationship aspect sharing with their family and saying for example like my my dad or my mom can see if i've taken my painkillers today or let's mm. say me personally i wear glasses and every time i go to the doctor the offer <laughs> The ophthalmologist. Ophthalmologist. That's a big word for Allah. Oh, no, it's so long to pronounce. Ophthalmologist. Whatever goes to ophthalmologist, I don't ever get good news. It's either, oh, my eyesight is the same or it's gotten worse. I feel bad. I feel alone. I feel like I'm going to get blind. No. <laughs> I'm gonna get blind, but then I'm like, no, like with this whole perspective, we're kind of like empowering patients. Like with someone like me, I could maybe have like a reminder, like once a year, like have I seen my ophthalmologist? Are my glasses okay? Are they matching my face? Are they do I need contacts? Do I need um eye drops? Do I need this? For example, even like for dentistry, for example, like mm-hmm. if you're have you done your bi-yearly dentist checkup? Have uh, you done it? You're cleaning by, by you're like cleaning twice a year. Twice, twice a year. year. Twice a year. Yeah. <laughs> twice a year mm-hmm. to avoid any those carries, yep. future fillings. <laughs> but but this 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 can be helpful if you had you know people that would also be like yeah I've done my checkup you know it's more of like a need to empower patients to do it mm-hmm. and that's where digital health comes in place rather than having um uh being struck 
at the age of 40 or 50, you're told that you have a stroke or that you have a huge carrot to take out of your mouth, or you're told that you have, I don't know, like even like your fertility, you just different, different things that you could yeah. change through apps, right? So with with a digital app like an, even like an Apple Watch or the sleep um the the, the sleeping the sleeping tracker or whatever mm-hmm. it is you can tell how you're progressing you can track mm-hmm. it or how many steps i've done today i'll say oh i've mm-hmm. done over a thousand steps great or you could track uh oh my period is not okay whereas rather than one day waking up and being told that you have a stroke or that you have or you're not healthy or that your your sugar levels are very high mm-hmm. or that you have diabetes right especially mm-hmm. when we're, we're in a we're in developed countries right now we're currently or in um in europe right so mm-hmm. we, we understand that more than more and more like we're more likely to die from things like cancer diabetes high blood you know high blood yeah, pressure cardiovascular cardiovascular yeah. diseases in general mm-hmm. and this particularly is important in the current day and age where we live yeah. right yeah it's true and i think yeah that goes back to hold, like having your health in your own hands and um preventative medicine which in the long run I think can save more lives and is probably less costly for the healthcare system and for the person themselves. Mm-hmm. So I do like that approach of kind of behavioral changes and everything. And to be honest, even like when you look at the biggest risk factors for cardiovascular diseases and everything, it is it is your behavior and it's um, more social determinants than necessarily your genetics or um, the healthcare that you get once you get sick, it's, mm-hmm. it's the, the best outcomes are seen based on the person's behaviors. And so having apps that can help you track this is, I think, really good in medicine. Exactly. Like Dawson, you said, if we look to like Europe and many countries these days where we have a lot of people living a very sedentary lifestyle, Mm-hmm. the life with these lifestyle diseases are becoming more and more common and therefore like Loza is saying it only makes sense that some of these digital you know wearables like the the watches the fitbits that can just you know give you a good assessment of like your lifestyle can help in preventing those lifestyle diseases mm-hmm. um and i'll say again I do know as well of like some health insurance companies that try to actually encourage people again to continue living these healthy lifestyles because mm-hmm. it's like you can share the data that comes from your watch or whatever it may be and then they'll be able to give you like some benefits or some discounts or some stuff mm-hmm. which I think is a great way of like you know incentivizing people mm-hmm. to like you know mm-hmm. actually want to like pay attention to their health so it's like right. okay oh. I better make sure because the data won't lie <laughs> the data won't oh. lie yeah no, it's and true. I I, and I think and I, I think we've talked a lot about like uh, being in high income countries and how uh, a lot of uh, well, most of the, the, the burden of disease lies in cardiovascular diseases. But also in many like low income countries, like developing countries, mm-hmm. like I've seen a lot of cases of like even diabetes, like my mm-hmm. grandfather that passed away from diabetes. Um, we've seen so many cases, even in, like in Cameroon, where I'm from, <laughs> I keep saying. Um, we, the, the dishes that we have we we have um uh a lot of vegetable heavy dishes but we also cook with things like palm oil mm-hmm. palm oil it's not very good for you you're, you're getting omega-3 fatty acids from there omega-3 fatty acids are not very good for you and you want omega-6 fatty acids right from things like olive oil right so knowing that for example if if I don't know. Yeah, I know that even in Cameroon, I know a lot of people eventually ha- 
have obesity like they, they're mm-hmm. obese or 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 they eventually have cardiovascular problems later on in life or somebody just yeah. say like, oh once somebody's uncle father died of a stroke or somebody's mm-hmm. uncle whatever whatever but but you, they don't understand like you just wake up one day just they'll call it witchcraft they'll call it something else um, yeah. not knowing that this is something that you know could have been prevented from the beginning so, right. so digital healthcare would also be beneficial for these groups not just like you know yeah or, i think uh, for me, it's just the fact that it is true that we, like, you know, people have been reporting there's a bit of like an epidemiological shift you will see in some low-income countries where the expectation is you're like, oh, the infectious disease is the infectious disease, but like the chronic and, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, non-communicable diseases are also becoming a huge problem. But I think it's like how many people are able to afford like an Apple Watch, you know what I mean? So it's for stuff like that, where it's like, yes, there's things we can do. I think Justin, you pointed out a good thing about like, at least having some awareness around like nutrition. Nutrition is an easy thing. Mm -hmm. It's a part of your lifestyle and all these things, but it's just to be aware as well that people may not be able to afford all these wearables that we may have access to and can afford so that they can keep track of their heart rate all the time. So Mm -hmm. they can, you know, all these things. This is this is why I I really 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 appreciate the importance of M Health. Mm-hmm. Now with M Health, think even like what Apple has done. I always bash Apple, but I love what Apple has done when it comes to like these sleeping the sleep um apps. Uh, yeah. even you can even it has information. It has nutritional information. Like mm-hmm. if you actually use your Apple, if you have an Apple, you Apple an iPhone. Yeah, Apple. an Apple. <laughs> if you have an iPhone. Um, you can actually check. Um, you can check what you've been eating. You can you can yeah. input those things in yeah. there. It's like and an all in one. Now I understand that in a lot of developing countries, not everybody has an iPhone, but in the healthcare system, if they can have even any mobile device, but they can send out that information to their patients. Mm. I know most people, most people they have phones, like yeah. most people have at least it doesn't yeah. have an iPhone, yeah. but at least a phone. Yeah. You can yeah. send information. I got the way I got my vaccination, I got the reminder i got a text mm-hmm. from the TV saying oh yeah get your first dose get your second dose get your third dose could yeah. be the same thing of like you know if you have your gp or your nurse could send like you know reminders or whatever mm-hmm. like how are you doing like a checkups or whatever but yeah, yeah. I think- it's true i think digital health is like it comes in different forms and it can be adapted to the needs of different countries yeah so like I, said, I think it is possible 100 percent, and it is like i guess as we're discussing now we can see that digital it's about digital health, but also just taking advantage of technology because mm-hmm. technology can then be used to promote health, like we're saying mm-hmm. here. Um, I'm pretty sure, Justin, you were telling me about some organization where they would make medical films and stuff like that, and then they'd send mm-hmm. them to people via like like a text message yeah. Yeah. so that everyone would just receive it for free, like just a mm-hmm. free promotional thing, informing people, I think, about like malaria and all these different things. Yeah. Because like you said, many people have phones these days. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, the charity, it's a global media charity, and they produce really, really excellent films mm-hmm. um, informing, basically, it's particularly made for low and middle income countries because they tend to need it the most in terms for information accessing mm-hmm. and also for accessibility reasons yeah um but yeah i think it's been very very effective like it, it's only not only has it been able to 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 monitor health but also address misconceptions mm. address um social determ- search well social 
misconceptions that eventually affect healthcare outcomes like right. male involvement in antenatal care for example mm-hmm. or encouraging having a for example having like a uh an illustration mm-hmm. or a graphic or a, a visual um, an audiovisual content material thing that would that would be distributed in a particular village to encourage men to participate in antenatal care visits as well not just having women show up all the time but making sure that men are involved as well for example and that usually contributes to greater maternity outcomes like reduced um um um, maternal mortality and stuff like that so we've seen very like those are very like good examples that have been used in developing countries as well not just in developed countries so Mm -hmm. exploit it (laughs) (laughs) and now um I whilst there's so many advantages, right? Mm. That's what I was waiting for. (laughs) You know, the other Ah, side. With every good thing, there are the downsides. Now, the number one being patient information, the way patient information is being monitored. We have seen a lot of companies or like digital companies or tech companies that would hmm, they would provide digital therapeutics in exchange for data. How do we feel about that? Do you think that is it ethical or is it right or is it yeah is it right to to request inpatient information such data in exchange for for healthcare services? Hmm. Huh. There's so many. So it's like what I come I say I need treatment for A B C D and they say. Ah, but you need to give us your patient information first, otherwise we won't give you the care. Mm. It's not not even like necessarily a treatment. It's more of like, let's say I need this therapeutic for I need the service, for example, or I need this app, or I need, mm. for example, let's say um, that we've seen a, an increasing use of like virtual reality cardboards. Like virtual mm. reality cardboards can be used, for example for patients that you know, experience hallucinations or mental health problems and instead of giving them a drug that could potentially make them dependent on it they would use virtual reality cardboard um where virtual reality to to make them well kind of like change their basically like just soothe them and yeah give them a simulation simulation yeah yeah and it will kind of improve their outcome your mental health outcomes as mm-hmm. now if the patient now comes in and says oh i need this mm-hmm. okay in exchange for data Mm. Huh. Uh, that does not sit well with me yeah. personally <laughs> um, i think okay it's interesting because i when requesting data or using data i mean data is important for research and it helps mm-hmm. science advance great but when you use someone's data you need informed consent mm-hmm. now consent when you get consent for someone to give consent there needs to be like an option and in this yeah. situation that you gave, it's you you don't really have an option. If you want the service, you must give us the data. Is mm-hmm. that really consent? In my opinion, no. no. That's they didn't really consent. It was more of um, yeah. this is how this is what it comes with, or mm-hmm. you're not using the service. So that it doesn't sit well with me. Now making data like sharing data an option, mm-hmm. and then you can opt in. Yeah, is more of an ethical approach. I feel. Mm. Yeah completely agree if i have the choice or even if i can say i can give you my 
my race, age, da 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 da, da or whatever it may be, and mm-hmm. I'll give you my pre-existing condition. But everything else, I won't give you. If I can choose as well, like what I share and what I don't share, mm-hmm. then I think it's fine. Mm-hmm. You have the choice at the end of the day. It's about leaving the choice in the patient's hand. Right. But if it's like a either you do it or therefore you are, can't use our services, that I don't think is a very good approach. Yeah. yeah, I like the way you both put it. I think it's the informed consent mm-hmm. and the option, mm-hmm. the yeah. option bit because it's you can't blackmail someone. Right, like it's, it's not it's not it's not consent if you don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Consent. Um, also, a lot. Mm-hmm. If, even if you're obtaining consent for speaking of consent, if you're obtaining consent make sure that it's in the language of the people that mm-hmm. can understand it the people can understand the language mm-hmm. like don't just be asking things that they don't understand right also, wording like, them in such ways mm-hmm. that you don't even know what you're consenting for yeah <laughs> fully informed consent is what we're talking about emphasis on informed exactly <laughs> and you know what like as you're talking about that it reminds me of like the case i was talking to you guys uh mm-hmm. about this native american tribe Mm-hmm. where at one point like these researchers came to them and they were like okay we're doing this study on like type 2 diabetes and they did like they collected their genetic information essentially mm-hmm. and the tribe apparently like they just did this verbally where they just said like oh, okay fine it's cool and the consent form that they signed was in english so again to your point of like it should be in a language that people understand check that first yeah. mm-hmm. um but then the issue with that was after the study was done, they didn't find anything like really significant there. But then years later, they had stored the genetic information and then they started to use it for a study on like schizophrenia without, you know, getting consent again from mm-hmm. the same Native American tribe. Yeah. And apparently in that tribe, mental illness and these type of things are very stigmatized. So they took huge offense to that. So it's again, like we're saying, like there should be informed consent because it's not like a you can just do whatever you want with someone's data and you right. can just assume that they'll be okay with it. Yeah. Especially like when you're doing a new research with the genetic material of somebody, like you should yeah. treat it as if like, okay, you're getting it again. You should go back and ask them, do you consent to this research mm-hmm. as well? Like mm-hmm. that's a brand new thing that yeah. they can agree to. Exactly. I don't know how they got away with that one, but yeah. We, we, it's not, it doesn't always have to be like big for big, big healthcare innovation um 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 projects sometimes we see it often even on websites you go on the website you want to use a website they tell you cookies cookies accept yeah yeah like yeah what am i supposed to do with that right? exactly yeah. and it's the issue of like when i say yes i accept all of them i can't completely say complete i know exactly what i'm consenting to what to be honest like, with uh, you yeah you know once i say accept and they have my data then i don't know what's it's going. gone and sometimes it's you gone. need to use that website you have no choice yeah. yeah and yeah sometimes yeah i mean i understand that a lot of these companies need data they need to ac- gain access to their data somehow but yeah we do need to find ethical more ethical ways to approach it mm-hmm. like, like i said before like having that option to be like okay um in return can we also have this and also you don't need everyone's data (laughs) you don't need all of them you don't need a don't listen we've done research before we are aware that there's a way to calculate sample size uh-huh. there's wow. a way to calculate sample size How, no, based, on your research, 
don't be greedy. You don't need because you're gonna say, oh, you know, these people don't understand. We just need data. How are we gonna produce the stuff if we don't have data? But I'm like, get your estimated sample size, go and do the mathematics, calculate it, and then find out how much you can get and find right. a way to do it in an ethical way. You don't yeah. have to blackmail everybody to give you data. <laughs> <laughs> or trick people. Or trick or people. Trick, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's quite misleading it's very misleading and then it creates mistrust because yeah, then yeah. information comes out later on oh yeah your your data is being used like this exactly yeah. we've seen people we've seen so many cases where people were like oh you know what the government is using our data through whatsapp right. oh we've seen like, oh the government is trying to come for us quite quite to collect our data on these websites they won't trust you and with good reason yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good reason good reason yeah, yeah. so yeah we definitely have to have to, you have to be transparent transparent about how you do and we understand that managing managing it can be difficult like managing information can be difficult and mm -hmm. i'm going to refer back to the whole app idea the app that that kind of helps you put everything in one place especially in the time where you can say oh my doctor in australia told me that oh this medication will be good for me but then my doctor in england told me that no it is not yeah now you now they have a patient that doesn't trust any um healthcare professional whereas on digital healthcare if you had it in one place then you can actually see if there be, if there has been any mismatches and people can be um held responsible yeah what they like professionals can be held responsible and also the patient can then choose who they want to share their information with especially when necessary yeah, yeah. also enable communication between healthcare workers and mm -hmm. probably help diagnosis better like better yeah, yeah exactly like better diagnosis better communication better trust better yeah trust. building trust is important and i will say as well i don't know about you guys i feel like things that are like digital like they, they last for so much longer as well mm -hmm. for example when doctors are asking me about my medical history i don't remember everything in my medical history i'm not gonna lie to you mm -hmm. some things i just have like as in paper or whatever i don't always have like the paper trail to show you yeah um, so i think putting it digital can also help in that sense like you're saying like we now have like a nice way to track all your information yes exactly yeah. And some countries do have that where like, you know, all your information is digital and then yeah. you can choose who has access to it. The doctors have access to it, but you also have access to it. Mm -hmm. And then you can understand your health and yourself better. Um, mm -hmm. And I think that's good. I think more countries should adopt that kind of digital system. Yeah. Because it kind of makes everything a bit more fluid and it, mm -hmm. I think yeah. um, promotes better health. Yeah, I agree. I agree. But the, the other downside of, of digital health is that sometimes with healthcare professionals, it puts this barrier between the doctors and the patients. Mm. For example, we've seen inc uh, GP consultations being done online in the yeah. NHS. And we've heard complaints about it. It's been good because not only does it reduce the capacity, it reduce the, reduces the burden on the healthcare system, but mm. then also like online, like it's very difficult to, um, it's not always as easy to, to fully clerk a patient, to fully identify um, some issues, like right. especially when it comes to one health, like holistic healthcare. Like I could be talking to you right now, but I could be having a, a tremor in my hand. I could be having a tremor on my toe. I could be having a little vibration going on there, but you won't be able to see it by looking at my uh, face. You get <laughs> facts. No, that's a good point. 
Yeah, that's a good yeah. point. No, because I would say even for myself, when um, I was choosing, let's say, like health insurance plans and here, at least there's the option, for example, to actually have like completely like telemedicine as your first like healthcare option. And when I was having to decide that's what was going through my mind, I was like, well, assess like assessing a patient like mm. over here on Zoom or like whatever is not the same as when the doctor can be there. You know, sometimes they just they need to they need to touch and they need to just yeah. like hear things and they just like you're saying as well with like the tremor, like they won't see your whole body or whatever. Yeah. Yeah, I think to have a holistic approach to it, it's difficult. I think there's a lot of things you can miss, but um, I think it depends on the situation. Completely relying on telemedicine is, I don't think that's feasible. Um, When you go to the doctor, I mean, yeah, like there's things you can, it's not just what the patient is telling you, but like, you know, they're looking, they're assessing you, they're, you know, as you say, like touching and whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's things that they can miss, but for some cases, I think telemedicine has advantages, like, Mm -hmm. you know, people that have, you know, can make things accessible, people that have issues going into to see the doctors like people with disabilities and everything Mm. I think it can make it accessible Mm. Um, I think it's useful like as a first response but I think you still need to go in for extensive diagnosis yeah like it's a balance I think both are important it's it's essentially it's a balance and now we're going to get into a bit more uh, dramatic situation oh um robotics (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> you're in this imagine robot. that you're in a delivery room let's say you're about to give birth mm. in the delivery room and you wake up you see a robot uh, uh, in your periphery of your no. environment don't say that don't say that <laughs> no say what it is your vagina <laughs> vagina i'm joking obviously but you get my point <laughs> so i wake up i see that did they tell me there was going to be a robot there because if they didn't, people are going to prison. Let's say yeah. they, they, let's say they, they, when you were signing those forms, they told you that was there like assistive a... technologies. <laughs> yeah, which some robotics are like. It's not every day that robotics is like you know the Boston Dynamics, the thing that can jump, <laughs> no. and <then> flips. <laughs> They're so scary. <laughs> um, it, it, we we do have like. I think things that are considered assistive technologies already. Already. So mm-hmm. if they told me that it's going to be like assistive technology, I think I'd, I'd be okay with that. Mm. As long as they explain. I think, yeah, we do some yeah. like analyze robots <laughs> and we're like, yeah, they're going to take over. They're going <laughs> to take you up. But I think, yeah, it already does exist. And sometimes surgeons do use it like for precision surgeries and everything. Yeah. And for that, I mean, if it's giving me better health care, yeah but it can't replace a doctor i think there still needs to be a human there yeah if you wake up um, to just the robot oh my i was screaming just me and a robot, and a robot. <laughs> just looking at each other looking at each other what if it runs out of battery you see a dog you know the, the needles or like just the... said, what if it runs out of battery i'm gonna <laughs> scream right now No, you just wake up and you just see someone with you know the not somebody the the robots with the the tools and the knives and the cutting and the the, the... <laughs> yeah actually actually when i was looking into this there's a name for that thing i think we all see it in tv and movies it's called like the the da vinci surgical 
system like it's a whole patented system it's it's a real thing and yeah it's the one where it has like it has like different functionalities like there'll be the surgeon controlling it from Mm. like the control deck and then they'll be able to like see through a camera they have the 3d thing it can Mm -hmm. use like a scalp or whatever so you know things like that i feel like we're used to they're actually robotics they're not a full like robot that we imagine but they're still a human yeah they're still there that one I'll be like, oh, 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 I guess they're just controlling it from somewhere else. Or I something. mean, I still wouldn't wake up, I wouldn't want to wake up mid-surgery, but you no. know, I wouldn't mind. I'm <laughs> sorry. I know surgery does not require as much um patience, understanding, and communication, but please. I do not want to wake up to a robot. <laughs> like, I don't care if you can control it very, very well, and you can control it from the other side of the room, in the, no, in no, the no, other no. room. I personally... I don't know. I, that makes me a little uncomfortable. No. Okay. <laughs> what if they were like, okay, we need to like literally do some very precise like surgery. Like we need to very much like identify this one nerve in your body and mm. we need to cut it like precisely. And Would you rather like a human do it? Do it or did you not go to medical school? Are you not doing your knitting? And... No, but you know, sometimes no, they have to be shaking. You don't know. Ah, yeah, but okay. a robot, you know, it'll be like, I don't know. It's programmed to be very precise. It could do. Mm. They could do it better. As long yeah. as it's not just a robot doing its own thing over here. With <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm good. I mean, like I get it. I get. It. I think yeah. Yeah, a robot but, would probably be more precise. But I get what you mean. It's not comforting. Yeah. I, I really feel like we're. I feel like in this world we're already becoming. I love the digital being the future thing, but we're becoming very, very, very techy. And I don't know, especially for something like a vagina and things that are, no, you don't get to, you don't get to vaginas, you don't, you don't, you don't get to vaginas, you don't that the episode title. (laughs) This is one body, I have one body and I'm trusting it in a robot hat, I don't do (laughs) No, but humans make mistakes too like right? i just i don't know i just feel like at least with a human being like a human i don't think a woman could ever a, a robot could ever replace a surgeon a robot could not never fully. replace no fully but even mm-hmm. like i i still think that I, i've done some medical um some 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 healthcare placements i've mm-hmm. been in a hospital i've seen the surgical operation sometimes your brain just you just need to be human. You just need to, I don't know. There's just some things, some some things that robots can't do. And even if you're saying that yes, you're it's assertive and it's in the other side of the room and you're in the in a separate room com- controlling it. What if in the meantime she may need like some oxytocin release, like by touching her or like I don't know, like something I don't know. But I just I just I just think that they can. Yeah, I think maybe like a, a balance, like a little balance, not not having a whole robot in the room. I think there'll be like an anesthesiologist and stuff and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I see the points you're making. I I never, I think you're right that when it comes to making decisions mm-hmm. while in a surgery room, I would not entrust that to a robot. Girl, ever. no. <laughs> no. What do you mean? The robot. <laughs> what if it just, it just goes battery saver. So <laughs> power off. <laughs> I'll say, well, oh meet gosh. some dying then. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I just see the robot as like as an assistant, like as a exactly. supplementary. And I think so that's cool. a lot of things with digital health. Like I think the human component will always be central. Yeah. And as a healthcare workers, but digital health in terms of robotics or apps, it's just to 
supplement it. Just compliment. Mm. Compliment. There we go. That's the one. Yeah. yeah. Or it it can help. Like I don't mind if we have some AI technology that has done its algorithm and it gives like this the suggestion. You know what I mean. Right. But it should still be on like a surgeon or you know some human to, to like make call. the final decision, like a call. You know what I mean. Mm. Yeah. yeah. No, it's true. We can't replace doctors. Yeah. You're safe. <laughs> yeah. You're safe out here. Your job will be needed forever. So any recommendations, any advice <laughs> that you'd like to give to our fellow Globies when it comes to digital health and managing patient information? Mm. Yeah. It's two big things, you know. Right. I would, I'll go first. I'll go first. I'll go first. Yeah. So before, when you're processing information, ask yourself the following questions, right? Mm. Is it necessary for you to collect and use personal information? Mm. And personal, what I mean by personal information, that goes for name, things like a name, age, um, sex, things that can identify the person. Is it necessary for it to be personal? Mm-hmm. And then is it necessary to process it in this particular way? And ask, could you use anonymized data instead? Make it anonymous. And, find, and then also, are you collecting or processing more data than you actually need? Like Edna, the example that you're referring to. And then fi- and also, do the advantages of processing this data overweigh or outweigh the costs, the disadvantages? Mm-hmm. And does processing this allow you to achieve the objective that you initially stated? And could you use less intrusive ways to achieve the same objective? Mm-hmm. This is particularly important for um, digital therapeutic <clears throat> companies or uh, I don't know, in general, like health tech companies that need data. I'm sure you've done your data protection training and stuff like that, but yeah. it's always worth remembering and checking. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, I completely agree with all of that. It may, like when it comes to the patient management, inform, managing information, that is where I sometimes take issue with some of these things. Because let's say even this Da Vinci surgical system that I'm talking about, it is patented. Mm-hmm. And so that has me, that's the part that has me thinking like, I would be okay, for example, giving my information away for like, to a doctor or something like this but I think we still have a long way to go in terms of like what we do with data that we give to like private companies that offer digit like um what do you call them digital therapeutics yeah yeah so I think that's a good start Mm. like that those questions that you just asked yeah facts 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 so I like that and I think um moving away from data privacy which is important from my perspective I would say also um if digital health is the future, if that's what we're going to use, making it accessible and equitable for everyone. So build the infrastructure so that whatever you're releasing, people can actually use it. Mm. Um, You know, tailor it for different countries that have different incomes. Um, And yeah, I think that's what my advice would be for people that are, you know, in the world, in the space of digital health and developing, Mm. you know, I know the Globies are smart. I know they're doing (laughs) things. So (laughs) that's what I would say people should look into. I mean, yeah. Also for like the 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 healthcare practitioners themselves, because I know there are cases, especially in like genetics and genomics, where we're like, oh my gosh, these technologies are gonna revolutionize medicine and da 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 da. But it's like it 
like we also need to actually make sure our doctors and our healthcare practitioners are ready to receive these technologies Absolutely. and will actually integrate them into their care. Yeah. So I think that's a key gap that's there between like we have good stuff, but translating it into practice can yeah. be a bit slow. Yep. I was reading that the other day where a lot of doctors in medical school, they're not getting the training on how to, you know, um, use digital health as a treatment or to suggest it to patients. Usually it's the traditional kind of, you know, prescribed mm-hmm. medical yeah. products. Um, but I think integrating it is so important because they're some of like the first actors in terms of someone's health. So yeah, yeah I agree completely. Yeah. And also like also for patients like Globies, patients, Globies around the world. Yes. Um, yeah, consider using digital health, you know, mm-hmm. more often. Consider actually using your sleep the sleep app, sleep tracker. Consider actually reading the information on there about, you know, nutrition, how much yeah. protein you should be getting, how many carbs yeah, you should be getting. Yes. You know, make advantage take advantage of what's available to made available to you. And also that that would help you, that would empower you, empower you to take your health into your own hands. Yes, I'm all about that. Yes. Yeah, on that note, I think we're going to close. Yes. (laughs) Thank you very much for listening to this episode of the World Health Investigation Podcast. I'm Jocelyn. I'm Edna. And I'm Loza. And we are three young global health professionals for the World Health Investigation Podcast. Please follow us on our social <laughs> on instagram at whi underscore podcast twitter whi underscore podcast we have a facebook and linkedin account as well and world health investigation and please also subscribe to our youtube channel do it now please. right now <laughs> Every day should we? Does it have to be every day? Every day. Must it be a struggle? Some no. of you are listening and you haven't you haven't subscribed yet. I see you. Do it. The <laughs> mouse is hovering. Just do it. <laughs> I see you hesitating. It's okay. Yeah. Just click it. <laughs> that way you're gonna get our latest information, our latest episode. You'll be informed about everything you need to know about mm-hmm. the World Health Investigation Podcast. Thank you very much for listening and have a lovely rest of the week. See you next.